5: Crazy story for you as we start off the second hour of the program. Do you guys see this? There's talk that BYU may be replacing Liberty as Coastal Carolina's opponent on the last minute details here. And the BYU equipment truck several hours ago tweeted that they were headed out uh, on a Taco Bell run, um, which is a pretty funny line, but these equipment trucks potentially have to get all the way to a location to be ready to play a football game. And the amount of time that it would take from Utah to get all the way to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, is obviously pretty substantial. So that game could be being scheduled literally as we speak, depending on what Liberty's COVID-related situation is, as it pertains to uh, this weekend's college football uh, clash that is going to be where game day on ESPN is airing from, which is pretty wild. I mean, we schedule these college football games. Like, every now and then, you'll get a, hey, we've scheduled a college football game for 2030 or something, you know, like uh, on uh, an alert, your favorite program. They schedule these games like a decade in advance. And here with you know, 24 hours notice, it's possible that BYU is going to be playing against Coastal Carolina, which is pretty wild. So we'll follow that story and update you. And what a wild time, by the way. We had, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, Jamie Chadwell, the head coach of Coastal Carolina on the program. And what's wild from his perspective, uh, he's being pursued right now by South Carolina and by Vanderbilt. He's one of the guys that's being interviewed by both of those programs. And simultaneously, he may now have to pivot from preparing his team to go up against Liberty to suddenly now going up against undefeated BYU. And it's rare you have two undefeated teams play this late in the season BYU got raked over the coals a little bit over uh, their unwillingness to schedule Washington, and BYU hasn't been given a lot of respect so far in the college football playoff, but this would be pretty remarkable for BYU on the fly like this and for Coastal Carolina to both get a game scheduled with this short of notice. So keep your eyes on uh, on that storyline in general. Speaking of short notice, the Big Ten – on extremely short notice trying to make a decision about what to do with Ohio State. And this is kind of long notice. Six days after it was initially scheduled, we got a Wednesday afternoon football game. It felt wild to be sitting down on my couch. I don't know about you guys watching a game that kicked off at 2.40 p.m. local time here, 3.40 on the East Coast, 12.40 on the West Coast, and be kicking back and watching the Steelers, who played awful in their game against uh, the Ravens. Positive is another winning week for the OutKick six-pack of p- uh, picks, even with the late touchdown for the Ravens. If you listened to us and got the Steelers minus four, you still covered. Dub, another week of wins. I think we're now sitting, if I'm not mistaken, at 41-25 and 25 on the year in the OutKick six-pack.
6: Yeah, forty-one and twenty-five. That is a record that's going to be hard to match next season. There's no doubt about that. That's pretty outstanding stuff.
5: Yeah, we've had a lot of winning weeks, including a couple of weeks ago a six and zero. We'll give you the outkick six pack of picks as we always do tomorrow uh, in the final segment of the Friday edition of the program. So you can you know kind of pin that uh, that data down and be ready for it. In the meantime. Uh, we also won in college football and we'll give you our college football picks to close out the program today in the uh, final segment of the show. But big story that is out there and I think it's a, I think it's a worthy of discussion story, is how would you assess the Steelers and their chances against the Chiefs? Are the Steelers the best team in the NFL even though they are 11 and0? Uh, Eddie Garcia, you are a Steeler fan. As you mentioned, the injury to Dupree could be a pretty massive hit when you think about the matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs and the ability to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes with your front four. I think the only way you beat the Chiefs, all right, I'll, I'll say there's three ways to beat the Chiefs. One, you have just a really poor game from Patrick Mahomes because you are able to get pressure on him with your front four. Two, you have the ability to run the football and therefore you can keep the ball away from the Chiefs and you get them to turn the ball over a couple of times in addition to not having the ball much. And three, you just say, screw it, we're going balls to the wall. We think we have a good enough offense that it doesn't even matter uh, what our defense is able to do. We're going to try to score 40 on the Chiefs and beat them like 42 to 38 or something like that. Those are the three pathways, I would say, to beating the Chiefs. And I don't love any of them because, again, if you beat the Chiefs on the offensive side of the ball, you're saying basically, hey, our offense is as good or better than your offense. And I don't think many teams can say that. The ability to get pressure with your front four without blitzing because Mahomes picks apart the blitz is really hard to do and there aren't very many teams that have that kind of talent. And frankly, there aren't a lot of teams that can run the football and just physically take over and dominate in a game. Do you think, Eddie Garcia, that the Steelers have the horses to beat the Chiefs or are you with me in agreement that the best team in the NFL right now is the Chiefs?
7: Well, I think that's two different questions. Um, Do I think the Steelers can beat the Chiefs? Yeah, I do think they can beat the Chiefs. Remember, this is not a five-game series or a seven-game series. It's one game. So, yeah, I think they can beat the Chiefs. But are the Chiefs the best team in the NFL, despite the Steelers being undefeated? I would say so, yes, because of Patrick Mahomes, because of their big play capability. Now, the Steelers cannot run the ball to save their lives. But the short passing game is their running game. And they have the best short passing game in the NFL. They can use that to try and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field the bud dupree injury is huge because teams are not able to double team tj watt or help out with a running back because of bud dupree on the other side now that's not going to be the case uh tj Watt's going to see a lot of extra defenders to have to try and get through look the steelers are the best team in the nfl at creating turnovers that's also a huge part of their success and would be something they would have to do to be able to beat the chiefs so look they have a shot and i think it would be a good game if you're going to ask me if I'm betting my money, I would bet the money on the Chiefs.
5: And it's kind of a tough spot, right? Because you're a Steelers fan and your team is 11-0, and 0, but it's almost like you can't even enjoy it because of the Bud Dupree injury and because the Chiefs just look so good, right? And there's some point in time where, and, and I, it's rare, you know, you get to be in this situation, but where your team is playing really, really well. I mean, they literally haven't lost a game so far this season, but you start to look ahead And you start to be a little bit nervous because things couldn't be any better for the Steelers. And yet, you've got that looming, what I think is going to be a dynasty, of the Kansas City Chiefs out there. It's almost like back in the day, even if your team was playing really well, you had the Patriots or you had the Colts out there and you feel a little bit like you're running straight as hard as you can into a brick wall. That's what I feel like as a Titans fan. Look, the Titans are set up, right now to potentially be hosting a home playoff game for the first time since 2008. They've got a monster game now against the Browns. Both teams are 8-3. and three. Titans are a six-point favorite. If they can take care of business and get to 9-3, and three, next couple of games are very winnable against the Jags and the Lions, I believe. So the Titans have a decent chance to be sitting at 11-3, and three, which is a phenomenal record in the NFL. But I'm sitting around going, do I like our chances to be able to beat the Chiefs? No. Because the Titans can't get any pressure with their pass rush. They have one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL. If you can't get to Patrick Mahomes, is there any way possible that the Titans with their third down defensive futility and their inability to get to the to the passer are going to beat the Chiefs? My answer is no. Like I just I don't even see even with Derrick Henry. I mean, you would just have to have the Chiefs go out and play such an improbably bad game in order for the Titans to be able to win, and I just don't see it happening. So it kind of undercuts my excitement over my team because the Chiefs are just so good, I don't see the Titans beating them, and it's fun to make the playoffs, but the Titans made the playoffs last year, so it's not like there's been a long uh, lag. And it's fun to win games, but last year the Titans were in the AFC championship game. The standard is, can you beat the Chiefs? And I just don't think very many teams in the AFC can beat the Chiefs. And I certainly don't think very many teams in the NFC either, which is why I'm close to saying, if you told me Patrick Mahomes was going to be healthy, because obviously that changes everything, if he tested positive for COVID, if he got injured like he did last year uh, with the the knee, if the the kneecap I think it was – If you told me that Patrick Mahomes was going to be healthy, I would take the Chiefs over every other team in the NFL right now. To me, the COVID issue or Mahomes getting injured is the only thing that's going to stop the Chiefs from winning another Super Bowl. I I really do believe that. What about you, uh, Danny G? Would you take the Chiefs or would you take the field right now if you knew Mahomes was going to be healthy?
1: If Mahomes is healthy, then you have to take the Chiefs. Although the Steelers' defense, like I pointed out last week, that is the difference maker, I think. And as Collinsworth kept tarping on in yesterday's afternoon game, the fact that Big Ben gets rid of the ball so much better this season compared to previous years, I think that does give the Steelers' offense a, a pretty good chance against that weak, sometimes weak, Kansas City defense. Pittsburgh does have the edge there, but anytime you have Mahomes, and we saw it against my favorite team, the Raiders had a really good formula against the Chiefs both times. But in that most recent game, even though they kept it close, it seemed like it took everything the Raiders had. It, How it even affected them the next week in practice. They were flat. And then, obviously, they laid that egg against the Falcons. But it took everything the Raiders had just to stay close with Kansas City. And then Mahomes, he's out there looking like he's playing a backyard football game. Yeah. Just with ease. Just tossing the ball around like, you know, he's – playing a little thanksgiving pickup game and that's what's frustrating as a fan of any other team the fact that the chiefs have patrick mahomes head and shoulders above every other nfl team
5: i just think there's a lot of fans even if your team is good if you're the bills right the bills haven't if you're a bills fan listening to us right now bills haven't won a a playoff game since 1995 and obviously the patriots have owned the AFC East, so they're trending towards winning that division And I know there are a lot of Bills fans and the Bills Mafia that are excited about that. But I think in the back of their mind, they probably feel the same way that I do as a Titans fan. We haven't won the division since 2008. Bills haven't won a playoff game since 1995. But I just feel like I'm on a bicycle pedaling as fast as I can directly into a brick wall. And that brick wall is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs because I just don't see anybody being able to get past them. And even if you're a Steeler fan... Uh, And even if you're going to have a bye week, and even if you know you only have to win one game, they would be a home underdog against the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs would be able to handle the Steelers based on what I've seen so far this season. Now, they're not going to play. And again, the home playoff advantage, home field advantage is going to be negligible because it's not like the weather difference in Kansas City versus Pittsburgh is likely to be of a seismic difference, right? And so as you kind of break down this scenario going forward, I just I don't see any sort of major reason for optimism. And you don't want to be sitting around like rooting for Patrick Mahomes to get a positive COVID test in the week before your playoff game in order to try to knock him out. And obviously you want him to be fine and everybody's been fine with the uh with COVID so far in the NFL, but Outside of that, again, if I said I told you that he was going to be 100% healthy and that he was going to be playing, I, I don't see anybody beating him. Now, I know, Dub, you're a gambler, and some people would say it's crazy in the NFL to take one team or the field, but I would go Chiefs if I knew Mahomes was going to be healthy against everybody else in the NFL right now. What would you do?
6: It's a tough call, and I would usually always take Every the field. Every gambler
5: would take the field if they're if they're being honest, but I just think that's how dominant the Chiefs are right now.
6: They're a really, really good football team. And when you look at the AFC, I think the way to beat the Chiefs is to have a great running game. And the Steelers don't have a great running game. So if I'm looking in the AFC, honestly, the team that I think would potentially have the best formula to beat the Chiefs would be your Tennessee Titans. Yeah, and
5: I don't feel comfortable at all. I understand the argument because of what Derrick Henry is doing and what he did in the postseason last year against the Patriots and what he did against uh, certainly the, uh, the Ravens in winning two road games. And this year, the advantage would be, knock on wood, if the Titans win their division, they get to play the first game at home, and then they just have to win two road games. And road games, again, aren't really going to matter. But you could look at road games against teams like the Steelers, who the Titans played relatively evenly, and a road game against uh, the Chiefs, theoretically, depending on how exactly the uh, the, the, playoff seating broke out. But even with that idea... I don't feel very confident or comfortable in, in in the Titans being able to beat the Chiefs.
6: Yeah, it's hard to see. The only two teams I think would have a real actual shot against Kansas City are in the NFC, and I think it's Green Bay and uh, New Orleans because I yeah. think both those teams could potentially keep up they have deep, on the offensive better side defenses. of the ball. Exactly. So out of the AFC, it's hard to see a scenario where the Chiefs aren't representing that conference in the Super Bowl this year.
5: Yeah, I mean, I just, again, if Patrick something happens, Patrick Mahomes, I, I think there are three pathways we, and to run through them again, the way you beat the Chiefs, front four pass rush, because you can't blitz and you have to drop a lot of people into coverage because of what Kelsey and uh, Tyreek Hill can do to you. So uh, so front four pass rush, running game. You have to have a decent running game, I think, in order to be able to keep the ball out of the Chiefs' hands. And then you have to just hope that you get a couple of crazy bounces that go your way, fumbles that are unexpected, like we saw yesterday in the game. You get an inexplicable you know, fumble on a punt return, right? That's how the Ravens scored their first, f- first touchdown. Uh, maybe you get an awful defensive play for a 70-yard touchdown, like we saw yesterday, too, from the Steelers, who didn't play well. Dropped passes, tip ball interception, even though Mahomes doesn't throw very many picks. And again, I just don't see that as being very likely if you consider the way things are going so far. All right, when we come back, we'll be joined by Jeff Schwartz, uh, who is uh, his brother's actually on the Chiefs offensive line. We'll ask him that question. How do you beat the Chiefs? What did he think yesterday of the Steeler performance? This is Outkick, the
4: coverage with Clay Travis.
5: Joined now by Jeff Schwartz. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz. Not complicated there. His brother, Mitch, is on the Kansas City Chiefs. And you know from a gambling perspective, Jeff, that usually if you say one team versus the field, almost always you would take the field. But right now, based on what I'm seeing from the Kansas City Chiefs and what I saw yesterday from the Steelers, I just I don't see anybody beating the Chiefs unless the Chiefs beat themselves. Would you take the Chiefs or the field right now to win the Super Bowl?
8: I would take the Chiefs, um, and you're right about the, typically the field bet is, is more way value. better. Yes, the, the one the one concern I have with the Chiefs is that they're just not closing games well enough. Like, if you just look at, even go back to the Panthers game the three weeks ago, I think it was, you know, they're up by nine with two minutes left, and then the Panthers score, and then the Chiefs have a three and out. The Panthers had a, you know, they had like a 65-yard field goal to, to win the game. It wasn't close, but, you know, and even last weekend, like, they're up, they're up, score 70 points the first quarter, only 10 the rest of the game. They had the drop pass, which, which wasn't, it was kind of both Pat and me, Coles. Like, they just, there's, you know, they're just, they're not closing out games, and and I worry that when you get to the playoffs, that becomes a problem, right? So you, you look at it two ways. One is that um, it is an actual problem. But two, it's like they're kind of bored. I feel like they're just waiting to get to January and take off in January because they know it really matters. And right now, they, they, they're the Warriors. Like they know they're good enough in any game. And they kind of just turn on and spurts throughout the game to win. But then when the playoffs come, they, just, they, you know, they become a different
5: team. So if they were going to lose, and I don't mean lose because Patrick Mahomes tests positive for COVID, you know, and suddenly he's not able to play,
8: right, right, what's right. the
5: recipe to beat the Chiefs? Like if you were trying to construct a team that is able to beat the Chiefs from your perspective, what would they need to do and what would they need to look like?
8: I think it's exactly what the Niners did last year, it's what the Chargers did this year. It's, it's, it's rush the passer with four, right? Yep. And it's and it's play zone coverage and don't allow big plays down the field. Look, Tampa Bay, after they decided to stop playing man coverage, the, the last three quarters were good, right? They played zone and they they hit Pat Mahomes. Like that's I know it's very simple, but it's that's the way to do it. And then offensively, you know, the Chiefs' defense does kind of worry me. They, they just they don't rush the passer terribly well right now. Uh, they're not getting as many turnovers as they had last season. So I, I think that that you really. You can kind of move the ball on them, and then on the flip side, like I said, you just have to keep everything in front of you. Don't allow big plays and try to hit Pat Holmes. It's, it's only a couple teams can do that, right? Like, like the Bucks can do it, the Steelers can do it, but offensively, the Steelers—I just don't—I don't know if they have enough offensively. Um, and uh, those are probably the two teams I think that the Chiefs would have to worry about.
5: All right, as we look ahead um, in the uh, in the NFL, we just talked about the Chiefs in the AFC. Who do you think is the best team in the NFC?
8: Well, the best team is is probably the Saints uh, because of their defense right now. I mean, don't don't worry about Taysom Hill. He's just a a nuisance right now for a few more weeks. Drew Brees will take over that offense as soon as he's back. And um, their defense, though, has been really, really good, Clay. Like, last month has been outstanding. And if they can get that defense to play that way throughout the rest of the season, I think they're. I think I think the Saints are a team that the Chiefs would be worried about because offensively they'll score, really good offensive line, very balanced attack. Uh, Breeze obviously is not you know the, the big moment. not a concern for him. He's done it many times before, and um, I, I think they would be a, a concern if the Packers and, and Seahawks get, you know get this improved defensive play. With the Packers, they play the Bears. I don't know if they've improved defense. Seattle seems to have an improved defense.
5: Carlos uh, Dunlap has made a big difference for them. For them.
8: Yeah, but so has you know, so has the, you know the, the Jamal Adams coming back healthy, and then they added uh, Damian uh, Harrison, Damien Snacks Harrison to play defensive tackle. Just his presence inside has just helped them on early down. So um, I think that there's a lot of positives there in Seattle. But offensively, though, Seattle kind of w- has kind of gone back to like the boring the boring offense that they've been with Pete Carroll for the last like five years. So I, I, they need to go back to this like let Russ Cook offense.
5: Yeah, because Russell uh, Russell Wilson was the favorite, right, coming into probably the midway point of the NFL season nearly to win the MVP, and then everything yeah. just kind of fell apart, and the offense has gone back to uh, – I mean, look, DK Metcalf had 170 yards receiving or whatever it was, and he may well be already – the best wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, I think you could make that argument. Would you? Would you go with Metcalf as the best wide receiver in the NFL right now?
8: Uh, I mean, I, I, I still think like DeAndre Hopkins is part of the conversation. Um, Devontae you know, Adams I, is uh, in the conversation Devontae for Adams, sure. Like, like there's you. Know, I it's hard. I, I think outside of like defensive tackle and quarterback, where there's very clearly two best players, it's really hard to, to my opinion, to just give someone the best title, right? Like, there's a lot of great defensive ends, a lot of great cornerbacks a lot of great wide receivers and i just like i think it's hard to just say like this guy's the best when there's not a clear like you know there's aaron donald and pat mahomes are clearly the two best players in those positions
5: the biggest game i would say probably coming forward this weekend which nobody would have anticipated (laughs) being a big game uh is the browns going on the road against the titans yeah. The Titans I think with the last two wins they've gotten pretty dominant performance on the road against the Colts and uh and certainly a, a big time overtime win against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens uh have demonstrated they're pretty decent. Do you buy that the Browns are decent?
8: No, I do not. Um if you look at the numbers <laughs> they're not they're their negative 21 point differential is the worst in NFL history for a team who's 8 and 3 or better.
5: That's pretty crazy.
8: Um, yeah. If you look at DVOA, which I use a lot, football outsiders, they're the worst in three team they've ever charted. Um, and so, the, you know, they look. You can only play the teams in front of you, but you know, they had a stretch there too. They played three home games in terrible weather. So they had two, you know, two warm weather teams in, and Vegas beat them. But they had Vegas and they had Houston, um, and they just, they, they, you know, starting at Jacksonville, put teams away. I think this is going to be a rude awakening for them against Tennessee, who. I think offensively, obviously Henry's done a great job. They're still they're still missing something in the passing game. Um, I, I don't know what what it is quite, but obviously Henry's done a great job. I think the Browns will have a, a real big problem uh, trying to stop him. The Browns have a a little you know below average rush defense. Uh, Miles Garrett coming back will help them just overall defense. But uh, I think they're in kind of for a rude awakening this weekend when they play a really good football team, well coached team um, on the road again. Uh, I think the Browns are in for some trouble.
5: We're talking to Jeff Schwartz. Are you making your kids' uh, lunches as you're talking to us? I'm making them breakfast. Correct. Yeah. 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 That's good. They're not awake yet.
8: They're they're awake. They're they're, they're six and four. Are they making. I don't know, Can they make pancakes by themselves? No. Yet?
5: No. I, I my kid I make my kids' breakfast. I'm saying like uh, usually they're in the background chirping if uh, if you're not making breakfast fast enough.
8: No, they're they're not. They're, my parents are here, so they're not. They're they're being uh, entertained by them. But yeah, they're not. My daughter was screaming earlier. I don't know why. I think she. I think she got the wrong uh, color cup. of yeah. Milk this morning. Like that's the that's big a big deal.
5: Uh, yeah. Okay, let's shift to college football where basically chaos has taken over, right? the Everybody's yeah. just rewriting the rules as they see fit coming down the stretch. Uh, Notre Dame has a game in your state of North Carolina against Wake Forest and the ACC says, hey, we don't need to play that game anymore. Uh, Florida State, because they canceled two games in a row on the day of the game. Clemson, one of those games. Clemson's just like, we're not traveling back to Tallahassee. So that game just gets thrown on the dustbin. And so if Virginia Tech doesn't upset Clemson, and if one of them this would honestly be one of the biggest upsets in college football history if Syracuse beat Notre Dame right uh but assuming they win those games it looks like the ACC is well set for two playoff teams now the Big Ten is potentially going to rewrite their rules to allow Ohio State to get into the Big Ten title game should the Big Ten (laughs) adjust their rules for Ohio State
8: why not, man? Everyone's adjusting their own rules for everything. Who cares, right? I mean, like it's, it's a year where I'm just happy we're playing football. Um, it's, it's, it was kind of cute, though. The SEC uh, getting all bent out of shape of what the ACC did with scheduling, considering that you know, like the ACC schedules uh, Northwest State South to play Alabama the week before Auburn, right? And like they get upset with how the ACC scheduling. It's kind of cute.
5: Um, it is. It is going to be, by the way, hold on, an incredible accomplishment, which I think the SEC is pretty focused on. If they manage to play seventy games, you know they 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 have a uh, ten game conference schedule. If they right. manage to play their entire conference schedule and the conference championship game, that's a pretty remarkable achievement.
8: Well, it's fabulous, I mean, and you should get credit for for that. But it's just funny because they play eight conference games, and the conferences that play nine have said to them for years, like, "Hey, man." to make this kind of fair for everyone, you should play nine games. And now this year they're upset with other conferences for not playing as many conference games. It's kind of ironic that, um, that they've played a a less conference game. And now this year, all of a sudden they're upset that things aren't fair. It's just kind of like ironic, in my opinion, that that they're complaining in all years of fairness in in a COVID football season.
5: Yeah. I, I guess it would be that, and I think this is kind of intriguing when you change the rules Uh, As the season is progressing, I think that becomes more difficult to justify than when you have everything set out in the first place to begin with. Now, having said that, if I'm Alabama or I'm Florida, and Florida beats Tennessee this weekend and Alabama beats LSU this weekend, as would be anticipated to happen, I'm looking around saying, why in the world do we need to go if we're Alabama to travel to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and why do I need, if I'm LSU, I mean, if I'm uh, Florida, to host LSU? We already know we're going to the championship games. The only thing that could happen is, one, we have COVID issues, right, because of the travel, hotel, whatever else, or two, somebody gets injured in a game that's totally unnecessary in the larger scheme of things.
8: Yeah, I think it would be fair if they were like, hey, you know, I'm I'm not going to do this. I mean, it's... the thing, the college football fan in me enjoys this a little bit because there's a possibility, not in this specific case, but there are possibilities around the country in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to, like, screw your rival. Like, there's a way where – now, Oregon lost to Oregon State, but if they hadn't lost, there was a way where Oregon could skip the game against Washington and, by default, win the Pac-12 North over Washington by skipping that game. Right. And, obviously, Michigan has a way to basically screw Ohio State. It's just, it's so – it's just like it's a weird year, man. Like, it's uh, – it would be, be perfect
5: if Ohio State's title dreams ended, not because they lost to Michigan, but because Michigan wasn't willing to play them because of COVID-related issues.
8: Oh, it'd be it'd be because you know Ohio State was the big, the big force to get back in the field, right? And, yes. And then you know Michigan basically screws them out of it. Now I, I think Harbaugh would never do that. I just I can't imagine Harbaugh turning that opportunity to play a game, even if they're you know, even if they do have COVID issues and even if they do lose by 40, I can't see him turning the game down, but it's fun to think about. as a college football fan. I mean, this is like, you always want to try to screw your rival, right? And this is a way to do it. Um, Particularly because Jeff, we're
5: not getting like, at least in the NFL, they are releasing the names of everybody who's testing positive for COVID and they're giving their COVID list. And you can see how many different people are testing positive in college football. We really don't know because they're not releasing that information. So until you get to kickoff time, basically, you don't know what guys may be out for the right. game for college football, and and or contact tracing and everything else, which makes it easier, in other words, to potentially say, "Hey, we can't play this week because of COVID," because the information is not out there publicly disseminated like it would be in the NFL.
8: I I think that I think that the outcome of the season, like the, the biggest thing we look back on, is I, I think that. It, this might change injury designation for college football because yeah. I just, I can't imagine that Vegas and people that gamble are going to put up with, like, you know, the, the injury point in the NFL, I know that they, they say this, I think it's more, most of true. Is is about letting people know who is, who's not playing. So they can be wager in the game properly. I, I yeah. mean, like there's no other reason that anyone needs it. It's not like a game plan, but you don't really change your game plan if someone's playing or not outside of the quarterback. We don't know. Up until the game, who's not? It's ridiculous. Like an hour before the game, like, oh hey, we're down three offensive linemen, two defensive backs, and eight running backs. You're like, what? What is this? I, I think I think it has to change. It's really, I don't know why. We, you know, the NFL, has, to your point, has a list, and everyone's on it. No one's embarrassed to be on the list. No one's like, it's not a bad thing to be on the list. But they let everyone know, hey, these guys can't play this week, and the college football is. Always it's so secret. But I don't know. I don't get the paranoia in college football. I really don't. They're always paranoid.
5: We're talking to Jeff Schwartz. Uh, last question for you: How do you think you would have reacted in college if you had had a uh, kicker situation where a girl comes over from the soccer team? And at halftime, she had addressed you and your teammates and told you basically you were all yeah. losers, and, you're, and that was the reason why you know, your, your, your attitude was the reason why you were losing your attitude on the sideline. How would you and your teammates on the Oregon Ducks when you were in college have reacted yeah. if that had happened?
7: So I
8: liked everything about this story until I, until I heard this, this part because I had this happen actually in the NFL – we had a guy who had just shown up to our team via i think either a trade or or free agent pickup in week 4 and we were really bad that year we went 2 and 2 and 14 that season and in his first week on the team he was like a nobody he wasn't like he came from a super bowl champion he was an older veteran guy he was we were on an old four team and he like got up at, like i don't know maybe it was saturday or sunday and like in the locker room gave us like impassioned speech to play better we all looked at each other like you have what are you talking about? You haven't been here. Like how can you stand up in the middle of the of the locker room and give a huge speech about about winning or losing and losing and what the team needs? You you haven't even been here. You haven't even been through any losses yet. You haven't done any so its just I, I think that and I'm and I'm anti like I don't even care if Ray Lewis is giving me a public speech. I'm like anti player speech person. Like a, nothing kind of gets me up like that. Um so yeah, that that should she should have done that. But I thought the rest of the story was so overblown, man. They needed a kicker. They found her. She kicked one kick. It was the only opportunity to kick. She did what they told her to do. Like, it was just, the rest of the, the was whatever. But the halftime speech, she shouldn't have done that.
5: And then to tell everybody what she said in the halftime speech, and well, see, also. I, so, I,
8: so, I didn't even, so I didn't even see, I didn't even see what she said. I just was told that she did this on my, on my own radio show. I didn't even borrow to look it up. What did she tell them?
5: She told them that, that they were losers and one of the reasons why they were losers was because they weren't cheering enough on the sideline when good things happen. It's so, just, oh, wow. can you, so um, in addition to the fact that she wasn't on the team she asked to address the team which by the way would be on the coach that he allowed her to address the team uh and well, so no
8: because at halftime at halftime though the coaches like aren't in the locker room they're like uh, they're all doing adjustments like there's like a long surely time, she
5: like, didn't just stand up and tell everybody to gather around without having talked to a coach beforehand right
8: uh, i don't know i don't know why i i don't know why the coach would care at all if she spoke or not because we they're not like they don't ask us if we can talk to our teammates i, I don't
5: has I, has a, in your yeah. entire career as a football player has the kicker ever addressed the entire team oh, no
8: <laughs> no that, and, and, and and like and that's part of it too right it's not just like a a boy or girl thing it's like the kicker is it's like doesn't he's the lowest
5: to, man like, on the totem pole in the locker like,
8: room like, like, yes like we don't hear we don't get inspirational speeches from our kicker very often I would say never right, from a specialist the long snapper and and, and what's funny is like, I'm a giant uh, our long snappers. hey I gotta go to break like, I
5: want I want to get a okay. kicker story from you. we'll come back here in uh, a couple okay. of minutes uh this is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m eastern 3 a.m pacific
4: TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be.
5: My ten-year-old, my fourth grader, is about to go spend the whole day watching state high school football championships, right, here in the state of Tennessee, which credit uh to all the different state high school associations out there, as football is finishing in your states. There are all sorts of uh, exciting endings that are coming. And credit to all of those state organizations that managed to actually play entire football seasons. So in my state of Tennessee, they managed to do it. Virtually every state out there uh, that that did not curl up in the fetal position and run and, ho- run and hide from COVID has managed to get their entire seasons complete. But it's kind of cold here uh, now that we're into December. And so I don't know what it is about kids, but they won't, he won't listen to me about what he needs to wear to go sit and watch a high school football game all day. And I'm like, you you know, it's going to get cold and maybe wear some layers here and I'm having to fight with the kid over how many layers to wear to the football game. Why would you not listen to your dad who's been going to football games his entire life about how cold you might get sitting in the stands in a game in December. I've got a little bit of expertise here. Won't listen to me. Won't layer up. So anyway, that's literally what I was doing for the last seven minutes during that commercial break, was arguing with my 10-year-old over how many layers he needs to put on to go to a football game. But props to all the state high school associations out there that have managed to get their fall calendar in, whether it's football, whether whatever sports were out there being played, I think it's been important to keep kids on their regular track of normalcy, even with COVID going on, and a credit. It was a big battle for so many different state high school associations out there all over the country that managed to get their uh, seasons complete, and a lot of them are, uh, are coming to a close. Did you see, uh, we put this up on OutKick. Uh, you can go check out the highlights at OutKick.com. Dub, I know you have seen it. Did you see the way that the Alabama 7A championship state uh, ended up going with a team that was up, I believe they were up nine with a minute to go and they managed to lose?
1: <laughs> Saw the highlight of it this morning.
5: Did I mean, so they got a punt blocked with a minute left and it was returned for a touchdown. This is the team was up uh, the team was up nine, I believe it was. Dub, confirm me, uh, you just texted me about it, but confirm that I'm getting these stats right. In the state of Alabama, they're finishing up their high school football season. A team was up nine points with the ball with a minute 15, I think, or so to play. And they were taking a knee and they ended up losing like 30 yards somehow taking knees and then they went to punt And the punt got blocked and returned for a touchdown. Still, again, remember they were up nine, so they still had the lead. And then the other team got the onside kick with 18 seconds left. And then they got two pass interference penalties. And that allowed them to bomb a, which is bomb, is like a 35-yard field goal in high school is a pretty decent kick. To kick a 35-yard field goal, basically on the final play of the game to win, am I correct in all that, Dub?
6: Yeah, Thompson High School. They were playing Auburn High School in Auburn in,
5: in, in, in Bryant Denny Stadium, right? That's like right. in the in the University of Alabama's football stadium.
6: Yeah, they blocked the punt, returned it, they recovered the onside kick, got two flags, kicked the field goal. Thompson High School scored 10 points in 18 seconds for the final 29-28 victory to win the state championship in Alabama.
5: So congratulations to the state of Alabama for completing their state high school. Can you imagine being the coach of that team that was that close to winning a state title and then gave up 10 points in the final 18 seconds to not do it?
6: Man, rough morning for those kids this morning. Can you,
5: yeah, no kidding. And uh, ecstasy on the other side. Can you imagine if this was going on all over, like if that happened in a major college football or NFL game? I, would they fire the coach, like, on the spot? I mean, it would be one of the most improbable endings of all time. But so, uh, anyway, th- that that all tying in, state uh, state titles uh, being won for those uh, communities in those states that were able to actually play their season, congratulations to them. Uh, news, and I don't get all fired up about this because it's inevitable. Uh, Anthony Davis has signed a contract extension. LeBron has signed a contract extension. I understand some people are going to be talking about how impressive and amazing that story is. I would suggest that most of the people spending a lot of time on those stories really deep down know that there's no story there and they're trying to convince you that there is. Same thing, by the way, we haven't spent hardly any time on John Wall and uh, Russell Westbrook being traded because I don't spend a lot of time talking about the deck chairs of the Titanic being rearranged. I don't see anything changing for the Rockets. I don't see anything changing for the Wizards. Uh, but those guys are flipping spots. Uh, Steelers get the win on Wednesday afternoon football. Not very many Wednesday afternoon football kickoffs in the history of the NFL. Uh, and the Steelers are now 11-0, and the Ravens fall to 6 and 5. Interesting little factoid for you. The Ravens now in their last 12 football games are 6 and 6. They lost their divisional round playoff game to the Titans. They obviously Lamar Jackson was not playing yesterday, so the standards are a bit different, but they are now sitting at 6 and 5, 6 and 6 in their last 12 games. Is the magic that the Ravens had last season officially extinguished we'll see if you look going ahead the ravens have a decent chance to actually still win out they really do if you look at the rest of their schedule or go four and one so i feel like their playoff chances are still very much alive and in fact their playoff chances may come down to their game against the browns uh, which is scheduled to be in cleveland in a few weeks and maybe that's the game that decides whether the Browns or the Ravens are going to make the playoffs. So you can go ahead and put a little pin in that one. Uh, we have got a couple of interesting stories for you. I think we got some Animal Thunderdome, but also this is uh, from the – coaches do call-in shows, and if you are not regular a regular listener to the coaches' call-in show – in college sports it's a really pretty wacky uh universe of questions sometimes that the coaches get and sometimes they're more difficult than others this was jeremy pruitt the university of tennessee football coach this was what happened during his uh during his press conference uh sorry during his call-in show a guy named philip from Wartburg, Tennessee. Yes, that's a real place, Wartburg, Tennessee. Not happy with what he's seeing from the University of Tennessee. This was the the ball calls program yesterday.
1: Let's go to uh, Philip, who joins us from Wartburg, Tennessee. Philip, you're on with Coach Pruitt. Hey, Coach, I, I got a quick question for you.
2: Yes, sir, Philip. A lot of uh, a lot of us fans want to know when you're going to meet your not a ball coach and go back to Alabama.
3: Uh, well philip um i don't i don't know you got to know i'm pretty hard-headed right so uh and there's and you know i i do feel like that um there's probably things that we all can improve on uh i feel your frustration man i'm i'm with you i'm frustrated too uh But we're working hard, and uh, we're going to continue to work hard to to put a product out there that you'll be proud of. How about that?
5: That is uh, Jeremy Pruitt asked, when are you going to admit you can't coach ball and go back to Alabama? Definitely the seat getting a lot hotter uh, for Jeremy Pruitt uh, at Tennessee. I just love the the concept of the coach's call-in show Just, first of all, you know that the guys who are fielding calls for those, Dub, you field the calls mostly for this show. Can you imagine fielding calls for a Southeastern Conference coaches call-in show after a couple of bad losses in a row?
6: Well, in Auburn, one of the jobs I had was I worked for the ESPN affiliate down in Auburn, Alabama, and we never had the coaches corner, but... I did field some calls for that station in college, and uh, with Gus Malzahn and all the ups and downs, you could imagine some of the phone calls that I fielded during those times.
5: Well, I mean, and the goal always is to avoid situations like that where you get an angry caller, so I wonder if the caller claimed that he was going to ask another question and then pivoted and basically told the coach to leave town and go back to the state of Alabama. Uh, that is uh, that is pretty wild. Uh, all right, I think we got some animal thunderdome for you, and then we're about to be joined uh, by Dr. David Chow in the next segment to talk about all the latest NFL-related injury issues. What have we got? Cue the music, animal thunderdome time.
9: Ladies and gentlemen... I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls... I thought he thought I was, like, this ginormous piece of chicken.
4: Dying time's here. I
9: had a bullet instructor stuck to my face.
1: can you have a what?
4: This is Animal Thunderdome. By the way, I don't
5: think we need to track this guy down and get him on the show. Is this the—have we had yet the guy who saved his puppy from the alligator?
1: It's funny you should ask. That is the lead story.
5: All right. So we uh, need—you need to uh, get—I'm putting you on uh, Find This Guy patrol. We need to get this guy on. I I saw this story, and I know you guys sent it to us like crazy, but I think like a million people watched this video that I tweeted out. It is one of
1: the most viewed things on the Internet over the past couple of weeks. This Florida guy saves his puppy from the jaws of an alligator— and he never dropped his cigar, which he was had in, his his cigar mouth. in
5: his mouth the whole time. So I don't know what <laughs> yeah. audio version of that. Well, what have I
1: have—it's funny you should ask about him because Richard Wilbanks is his name. His puppy's name Gunner. He was on Fox News recently. Here's what he said.
9: Well, good morning. Uh, you know, we were just out for a Sunday morning stroll and walking down by the edge of the pond, and all of a sudden, an alligator just came out from under the water and grabbed a little Gunner and was had him back in the water and was swimming off with him. And I just jumped in and got a hold of the alligator and drug him up, drug him up to the bank and pried his jaws open and got Gunner out.
0: What I thought was amazing, Richard, was that this video, it wasn't taken by your wife or a family member or friend. This was the Florida Wildlife Federation. You and some of the others in your community allowed these cameras to go up on the land there to document animals. Um, and, and other wildlife and so they went back to look at this video and there you were fighting an alligator.
9: That's, that's correct. That's correct.
0: That is amazing. You're a hero. How are you doing? How did you come out of that? A few scrapes were told.
9: Yeah, I had a few little puncture wounds on my hands uh, after I got gunner out of the alligator's mouth and I had my hands stuck in there. So I had to work them out and And uh, so, you know, carried Gunner to the hospital and I went and got a tetanus shot and some antibiotics and Gunner had to spend a couple of days in the hospital. That
5: is, so if you haven't seen this video, it is pretty remarkable the guy go the alligator let, let's not exaggerate here i mean it, it, it honestly makes it a little bit funnier that the alligator is not that it's not like it's a 10-foot alligator that he was right. wrestling with right what do you think like a three-foot alligator maybe
1: probably four yeah
5: i mean it seemed four. even like a little bit of an aggressive move by that alligator to go after the puppy right like so
1: yeah it would have been a big meal a for big that. meal
5: for the alligator but he literally goes into the water and comes back out he's still got his cigar in his mouth as he's wrestling his puppy out of the alligator's mouth
1: it almost looks like he's doing yard work he's like pretty yeah. casual about it
5: yeah i mean it's like he expected that he might have to wrestle an alligator and save his puppy's life and by the way they come from under the water right like the yeah. puppy was under the water they, they I mean, he literally was saved by the the puppy was from the jaws of the alligator and uh and then this guy's wrestling with the alligator to get his puppy out and uh and the whole thing is just it's pretty amazing so we need to get this guy on the
1: show i will effort mr whitehall or mr wilbanks rather mr
5: wilbanks we will try to get mr wilbanks on the show
1: the reason whitehall is on my mind that's actually a town in pennsylvania they have a turkey problem let's go to kdka channel two for that story A serious nuisance
4: in Whitehall for weeks. Neighbors say a flock has been roaming the area and ruffling feathers in the neighborhood. This was an assignment that Royce Jones gobbled right up.
0: People who live on Margaret Street in Whitehall say this neighborhood used to be calm, but that's all for the birds now. They are not kind
9: and they have no problem coming after you.
0: Melissa Dorora and her family say they are prisoners in their own home
9: can't even let my kids go outside and play if this if
0: they're going to be nasty like that over the past few weeks, she says this pack of turkeys has gone wild and they've become a big burden in her neighborhood.
9: We've had upwards of 20 of them that are in one big pack and they just strut their stuff right through the neighborhood, right through the cul-de-sac, like they own it.
0: When we arrived to check things out, we learned real quick, these are no ordinary turkeys and definitely not chicken.
9: They have chased walkers. They have come directly up to our fr- our back door and pecked at the glass. They went after my boyfriend yesterday. They've terrorized my children. These turkeys will not let me get out of my car.
0: Another neighbor sent us this video of the turkey surrounding her car. The borough manager tells us wild turkeys are known to roam the area, but was unaware they were ruffling so many feathers. Some neighbors tell us these turkeys have never been an issue before, so why are they lashing out? I know that people in the neighborhood have to be feeding them. The borough tells me feeding wild animals is prohibited in Whitehall and to call code enforcement with concerns. Meanwhile, this neighbor is begging people to stop stuffing the turkeys.
9: Stop feeding them. To follow the ordinance in Whitehall and not to feed them.
5: I mean, I think somebody just needs to, I mean, can't we just shoot the turkeys?
1: That's what I'm saying. I would walk around that neighborhood with my pellet like gun. Like
5: Rambo and just start regulating if the turkeys are not letting your kids go outside. Regulator! I mean, yeah, they got to mount up. Cool black night. I, they got to do whatever they got to do in that uh, that Pennsylvania neighborhood to let the kids be able to play again. I think you got to wipe out some of the turkeys. Did
1: that not Especially sound... Especially
5: around Thanksgiving. By the way, how many plays on words can one uh, that's story That's what have? I was just
1: going to say. Did that sound like a dream come true for that reporter? Yeah. All his puns.
5: Yes, that was uh, a that, that was an unbelievable string, a litany of puns.
1: <laughs> and lastly, an Australian diver shared a video recorded by his GoPro. The GoPro actually saved his life. He was diving, um, and he what was he doing? He was diving for crayfish on Magpie Reef off of Princess Charlotte Bay in Queensland when a hammerhead shark swam directly toward him and tried to take a bite out of his arm. The guy says, I was about to adjust my camera right as I saw the shark coming towards my torso and my arm, he told Nine News. He said he used his GoPro and the mount stick to hit the shark. The shark turned around, came back towards him again for a second bite. He said he had to shove the shark with the camera two more times before it finally left him alone. I was the only person in the water. There were only two people in the boat, he said. Looking back on it, I'm pretty lucky, but at the time, it didn't phase me because I was in shock, I think. Creek, uh, this guy, Creek, says the hammerhead was the largest he's ever seen in his diving trips. I don't want to be a statistic, so next time I need to be more careful and take some more safety precautions and have another diver in the water, he said.
5: So I read yesterday, I think it was or the day before, there have been eight deaths by shark attack in Australia so far this year, which is near an all-time record, I think. They average about one death a year from shark attack, so the sharks are up in arms and they don't know exactly what's happened but they think maybe people are in the waters more because of COVID. And people are using the outdoors more, and they're trying to get, you know, I, I that is one of the theories gotcha. was that that's one reason why it's happened.
1: Now, a big safety precaution is another diver yeah, in the water? Yeah, I understand is, that. Either. Yeah, is that just is, does it, is scare it more away intimidating? The shark? Right. Uh,
5: I, I, does it share away the scar- sh- shark if there are two people as opposed to one? It doesn't seem like right. a safety mechanism would be putting another person it's, for to the me, shark To me, that's team. like a
1: double combo yeah. for the shark.
5: Yeah, it's, it's like a whopper with, uh, <laughs> yes. with uh, the large fry as opposed yeah. to just the whopper by itself. Um, All right, so uh, that is the Animal Thunderdome. Let's see if we can track down the man who saved his puppy from the alligator. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. I think I got my kid in enough layers of clothes to be able to handle the Tennessee State Championship game he's going to right now. We're here in the Geico Outkick Studios. Dr. Chow, do your kid? well, your kids are young, but you do have a, uh, if I remember correctly, a daughter who's at uh, South Carolina. Do they listen to you at all for medical advice? <laughs> or do they think, like, does your 19-year-old or 20-year-old, does she think she knows as much as you do, even though you're a doctor?
2: Well, I think you probably could say – she's actually back at home now because they ended at Thanksgiving and they're doing remote now. But you probably could have ended that sentence is, does she listen to you at all, period. Forget the medical size part. No, I I joke about that. She's a very good kid. Uh, I think she listens to me, but I'm not sure, like a lot of teenagers – and I say this in the kindest of ways – i don't think she actually hears me
5: yeah right well i just i just spent the last you know uh, every minute that i have not been on air for the last hour i have been arguing with my son about the fact that he needs to have more jackets and clothes on to go sit outside and watch a football game all day and it's like he won't listen to me and uh and you know not that i'm an expert But I have sat outside in cold weather and watched a lot of football games before. And when you're young and you do that and you get cold, you're like, yeah, this is a bad idea. I should have had more layers on. There's very few times when the weather's not warm that I've ever gone to a game and thought, oh, you know what? I brought too much to sit outside in the cold all day, (laughs) right? Like you can always take the jacket off. You can always take clothes off if you go to watch it outdoors. So anyway, and he doesn't listen to me. And we went to the Thursday night game which actually ended up pretty cold between the Titans and the Colts a couple of weeks ago, and he was sitting next to me, and I was like, oh, it's kind of cold, huh? And I was like, oh, you should have listened to me and maybe brought a jacket, and now he's not listening to me again. Anyway, so I'm curious. You are an expert in medicine. I'm curious if if there's anything that a parent can do that makes his child listen, uh, even if you have a particular level of expertise.
2: I think the way that – I don't know that I I got any more than that, except – Probably my strategy or my suggestion to you is that, Clay, you should bring an extra jacket. One more than you even think that you need. Because you know when it gets cold, you're going to have to give him one of yours. Otherwise, Mom's going to yell at you. Yeah, gets- you know what yeah. I
5: did? I, to, be, to be honest, I was cold at the Titans-Colts game. And I said, you want my jacket? And he was like, ah. And I was like, because I'm not giving it to you. Because you should listen to me and brought an extra jacket. So the problem here is he's going. He's ten. He's going uh, on his own without me. So I that's why I'm trying to get him all dressed and everything because he's leaving the house in the next five minutes. Um, and so uh, so we'll see how this goes. He's going to come back and claim that it was uh, that it was hot. I'm sure there was 100 degrees for the game. Uh, we're talking to Dr. David Chow at Pro Football Doc. Uh, all right. So there's a bunch of different injury related stories out there also a lot of COVID-related stories. I wanted to start with the CDC guidelines. They seem to me like they could be helpful in terms of helping in, in particular with the amount of time that somebody might have to quarantine if they were being contact traced because now the CDC is saying 7 to 10 days as opposed to 14 and 7 days with a negative test. That's basically cutting in half the quarantine period.
2: Yeah, there's no question that the uh, guidelines continue to change as we mo- learn more about this novel coronavirus and yes, the original 14-day quarantine uh, ideas have now shrunk um and uh, I guess uh, as we learn more about it, but then again, in some areas, you know, take the San Francisco 49ers, Santa Clara County, not only has banned contact sports and the uh, 49ers are now in Arizona to practice and play for their next two games. Yeah. With, then, then they go to Dallas, and we talk about this in the outkick article about to be published. Then they come back to Arizona to actually play the Cardinals. So three of the next four games are at State Farm Stadium. But then their final game is, in theory, back home uh, at, in Santa Clara at Levi Stadium. But however, currently there is a 14 day quarantine after travel. So how do you go from Arizona seven days earlier and come back and play that final game? So unless something changes, the 49ers are not coming back home the rest of this season. And in the irony of all ironies, the next two weeks or next two games, the New England Patriots will play in California, albeit Southern California, and stay in California, albeit the LA area between the Chargers and Rams game. So, irony of all ironies here.
5: Uh we're talking with Dr. David Chow. Tua has seems to have a injury issue of a sort that has led to Ryan Fitzpatrick coming back in. It's also paired maybe with not playing spectacularly well. What uh are you seeing from an injury perspective associated with Tua?
2: Well, I don't you know, it was a practice injury, so there was no video on it, but certainly a thumb is pretty important for a quarterback for grip and able to spin the ball, et cetera. But I think there's another factor besides the ones that you mentioned is the, the, the Dolphins are actually in the playoff hunt and chase. And in the end, would you rather have a let's say ninety percent Tua or a hundred percent Ryan Fitzpatrick right now to give you the best chance to win especially as you mentioned when Tua hasn't always played that well but I look at the upside at least we're not talking about his hip
5: yeah no kidding uh speaking of another quarterback that seems to have had a little bit of issues and you were just talking about Arizona uh in terms of the uh, the relocation potentially of the 49ers Kyler Murray's shoulder doesn't seem to be anywhere near a hundred percent can you tell anything by watching him play whether this is a significant factor
2: Well, there's no question it's a factor, but, you know, certainly at this time of the year, going into week 13, I've always said that 85% is a good week for any NFL athlete, right? You're never 100% at this time. But two weeks ago on that Thursday game – Tyler Murray got dumped on his right shoulder and by video he suffered an AC joint sprain and you uh, separated shoulder and you saw him wincing as he threw and finished that game and yeah he was not 100 uh, not 100 percent this week And as a matter of fact this is the same injury that has knocked Sam Darnold out twice for multiple weeks where the Jets had decided look if Sam Darnold can't practice fully we're not going to play him but Kyler Murray is the man in, for the Cardinals, so uh, an 85% Kyler Murray is starting and playing. So I think that's the difference.
5: We're talking to Dr. David Chow at Pro Football Doc. Uh, Philip Rivers, a guy you know well and have treated for a lot of different injuries over the years, seemed to injure his foot at the end of the game against the Packers. He was questionable all week. Didn't really have, it didn't seem to me, the same punch uh, in his uh, – maybe it was just a function of the Titans came out and played a lot better in all facets, but he certainly didn't seem to be 100% during the course of the game either. What did you have been able to glean from Phillip Rivers associated with that foot or toe injury that he might have?
2: Well, I don't want to reveal too much because I've actually had some – You know, I I can't uh, violate HIPAA, but he actually injured it on a block – and, uh, yes, even though he's not a mobile quarterback and he's in the pocket, to be able to shift in the pocket and push off and throw, uh, you know, it is a deal to for you whenever you injure your toe there in terms of for push off. But, you know, he's got a, what, 230-plus consecutive game streak. He's not going to not play. It's Philip Rivers. He's played through a lot worse. But you probably could put him in the category of another player that's not at 100% at week 13
5: no doubt uh what about julio jones uh has had a shoulder issue off and on all throughout the season hasn't been very healthy this year for the falcons but the falcons obviously got a big win and played surprisingly well against the raiders what do you think about uh, this julio jones shoulder injury
2: well julio jones current issue is more a hamstring related and that's been lingering and you know he's He's a vet. He's, uh, you know, played through a lot this year. You finally got a little bit of time off. You might make it back this year. But, you know, surprisingly, the Falcons, you know, uh, have revived a little bit after their coaching change. And, uh, you know, they could still make a little bit of noise. So I think he may try and play through.
5: We're talking to uh, Dr. David Chow at ProFootballDoc on Twitter. encourage you uh, to go follow him there. What other injury issues are out there that you think could be significant as we get ready for the upcoming week of NFL action?
2: Well, you know, I think it's a given, and we said it on Sunday uh, that the Giants won't have the, – the NFC East leading Giants won't have Daniel Jones for at least this week with his hamstring. It's one thing to say, okay, uh, you got a hamstring and you can't really run the ball. Let's look at yesterday's game, you know, RG3 right at the end of the first Yeah, half, that's right. His left hamstring, and he wasn't quite the same. He could still play, but he wasn't quite the same. He could play through that. Here's the issue with Daniel Jones. The Giants and reporters may be saying it's not a significant hamstring on MRI, but it's significant enough that when he tried to play through his Week 12 game, from the pocket, he couldn't even throw. So if you can't even throw with a hamstring, I mean that obviously indicates it's at least moderate, if not severe. So he's missing at least this coming week, and it may be several weeks before we see the same Daniel Jones, who has been a big uh, run-pass threat. You know, a little bit giraffe-like, but pretty speedy as he goes down f- downfield, and he's a pulled off some pretty big runs and we may not see that for a couple of weeks at least so and, and not that only that big
5: when a hamstring injuries happen as you well know and i think we've talked about before they also are incredibly easy to aggravate because you don't necessarily know when you're back to 100 percent again
2: and easier to aggravate in cold weather and wet poor footing weather which is what we're coming upon here in right. december
5: uh, who else? Anybody else out there that we need to be particularly aware of for fantasy or gambling purposes down the stretch run?
2: Well, you know, when you go to com and the field view and injury index, look, people know about the stars. Yes. The question is, you know, what about the defensive line or the linebacking core or uh, you know the uh, offensive line look uh, yesterday's game here uh, on the one hand you know you hear all the complaints of the ravens but the steelers had several people on the cover list too from marquise pouncey to james Conner to step on to it but in the end the steelers might have lost more than the ravens yesterday because they lost bud dupree to an acl tear yeah they're already down devin bush so now there's two key defensive players right there and uh, going forward that might be something to watch. I, I always look for things in certain position groups and uh, and Bud Dupree and now uh, and paired with Devin Bush both being out, that's a that's a big deal.
5: Yeah, there's no doubt at all about that. And uh you feel I know it hasn't officially officially been announced, but based on the video footage and the way that you saw him being treated, the odds of Bud Dupree not having a torn ACL are pretty low in your mind?
2: Yeah, I mean, I hope to be wrong there, but by video, and if you go to ProFootballDoc.com, I actually go through frame by frame to to show you why I believe that is the case, and and, and I hope to be wrong. And I'm sure they're going to wait for an MRI, but as I've told you before, Clay, in my 17 years in the NFL, I never walked off the field without – knowing if an ECO was torn or not based on physical exam. And the Steelers know it, too. They have good, a good medical staff. But the announcement typically is awaiting MRI.
5: Dr. Chow, we appreciate it. Go read his latest piece. It'll be up at OutKick uh, here in the near future, right, uh, breaking down everything? Yep. That is uh, Dr. David Chow at Pro Football Docs. Oh, oh, oh,
2: O'Reilly. Do you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts.